Here at Mountain Dew, we'd like to remind you, you gotta know what's important and what's not important. Knowing how to tie a tie, not important. Keeping a diary, not important. Trying all the different bold flavors of Mountain Dew, important. Experience the boldest flavors on earth. Do the Dew. Great news. For a limited time, you can get one month free of Spectrum Mobile service. That's right, one month free with any new line. This exclusive offer is only available at select Spectrum stores. So stop by today. Our team of mobile experts are ready to help you switch and save hundreds on your mobile bill. Don't miss out on this incredible offer. Come see us at Market at Hilliard, Taylor Square, and Waterloo Crossing. Spectrum Internet and auto pay required. Restrictions apply. Visit store for details. Welcome to the Michiana People Podcast. This is episode 20, and my guest is Sam Centellis, director of La Casa de Amistad in South Bend. We talked about immigration reform, South Bend's west side, and South Bend's great community. We also talked about an upcoming event that Sam and many others are putting together. West Side Wednesday is coming up on July 20th from 5 to 10 p.m., It's at Plaza Rosales and free to attend. They have ice cream, a taco truck, a beer tent with South Bend Brew Works beer, yum, lots of kids activities and some Latin dance lessons with a band. I'm pretty sure I'm going to participate in the Latin dance lessons because I'm already a fantastic dancer and I think I can just kill it. I'm excited about this. It sounds really cool and I'm going to be there so I won't be square. Take a listen to this episode. It's a great one. Thanks to Sam for taking the time to talk to me. Scott, do we have sponsors? Yes, we do. Scott, have those sponsors given you any new ad copy in the last three months? No, they haven't. I know it's getting boring hearing the same copy, so I'm going to try to spice it up a little bit. First one, I'm going to do like a super urgent news teaser, and the second one, I think I might just sing it. Whether you're a home computer user or have a large network for your business, you just want the stuff to work, don't you? Can you answer these questions? How much data would I lose if my computer or server crashed? Is my data truly secure? Is my network keeping up with my computer users? Tune in at the 11 p.m. news to find out. Or, if not, don't worry. Mapletronics can help you answer these questions. Go to mapletronics.com forward slash Michiana people for a free gift, then explore the website to see what Mapletronics can do for you. I work there. I know we can do a lot for you. Next sponsor. Do you have a marketing plan? Do you know where to start? Does social media make your head spin? Vala Marketing can help you with your marketing strategy from logo to website to social media presence. Check out valamarketing.com forward slash Michiana people for one of the most hilarious free gifts you'll ever receive from a podcast. Vala is a big asset to the podcast. 
They can be a big help in developing your market strategy. Oh yeah, get your name in the Hall of Fame while you're there. I bet I get some new ad copy after that. Okay, Samson Tell Us, episode 20. It's a great one. Listen up. Welcome to the Michiana People Podcast. My guest today is Executive Director for La Casa de Amistad in South Bend. Here is La Casa's mission statement. Our mission is to empower the Latino-Hispanic community within Michiana by providing educational, cultural, and advocacy services in a welcoming bilingual environment. Welcome to the podcast, Sam Centellis. That's right. All Very right. Good. Good I thought it was a soft C. Yeah. Um, thanks a lot for sitting down and talking to me. We are uh, fortunately sitting outside. It's about 76 degrees. And yeah, it's, it's beautiful outside. Um, I, before we get into La Casa, I kind of wanted, because it's kind of current news, and I think you're probably a good guy to talk to about it, I wanted to talk a little bit about President Obama's proposal for immigration yep. and how it got shut down and then the Supreme Court kind of double shut it down with its non-decision. Uh, I've, I've followed it. I've seen millions of opinions. I mean, there's so many opinions all over the, yeah. all over the country, a lot of pundits talking, a lot of talking heads and, and all that. But you are somebody who is in the Latino-Hispanic community yep. and you're seeing them every day. What does a decision like that, how does that affect those people? So the decision, and maybe what, when we'll back up to and talk a little bit about like the string and how all of it came to be, <clears throat> the decision... You mean the gridlock? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, and interestingly, uh, obviously we would have wanted a, a positive vote. We would, we would right. have wanted the, the state to get lifted and the actions that Obama took um, to go into effect, mm -hmm. which we estimate would have helped around 2,500 to 3,000 people in our area would have just been protected from deportation. Mm -hmm. Just here in the city of South Bend, actually. And, and it's so about it's 4 million nationwide. Exactly. Yeah. And so, you know, it would have impacted a lot of people. Um, we're definitely glad we didn't get a, a loss vote. Mm -hmm. um, even though the stalemate means we technically lost, it at least means it was a split vote. Right. Um, so you'd rather walk away with a tie than walk away with a mm -hmm. loss. And, and part of what is also good about that politically is it doesn't create fodder for the other side. Exactly. You know, imagine, yeah. oh, well, see, the Supreme Court agrees with us if uh -huh. we don't like these things. Mm -hmm. um, and so it at least keeps it neutral mm -hmm. uh, moving forward because the immigration issue and the Hispanic community, Latino community, has been very tokenized mm -hmm. in this election process. Right. So ideally for us, this at least removes us a little bit because it's like, look, Supreme Court split, just things are going to continue the way they are. Mm -hmm. um, don't make us a pawn. Mm -hmm. in this game. Uh, and so then backing up and kind of giving a little bit of, you know, what I do with La Casa, but, you know, I'm, I'm a Latino immigrant. And mm -hmm. The only difference between me and somebody else is that my dad happened to fall in love with an American, and that made me an American citizen. Uh -huh. uh, and so I think people tend to forget how trivial right. some of the details can be about what makes someone a citizen and mm -hmm. what doesn't make somebody a citizen um, based on how long they were here. And, mm -hmm. to, to give a little input, what, what um, President Obama had done uh, in November of last year was that he had put in an expansion of a program that was already in place. Mm -hmm. So the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals um, is a program that had been has been in place for many years that he put in place, mm -hmm. which basically is uh, a temporary work visa, right. to use the simplest language. Um, and what he was doing was expanding the ages and some of the policies on that. Mm -hmm. We called that DACA 2.0. Okay. Um, and then, then there was a parent program, which was called DAPA, mm -hmm. um, for parents. And that program was designed so if you have American citizen children, 
um, that you would be protected from deportation and be able to, to get a work visa. Mm -hmm. uh, and there was a myriad of other things. I won't go into the details, but that is what got held up in some court. Right. Um, uh, and now the Supreme Court didn't lift that, that stay. Mm -hmm. And so we're now still at the stalemate where we've been for the last 20 years. Right, right. Um, I find it a little bit interesting on on how the tides of the our, our welcoming posture in, in the United States has changed. Um, when you go back to our Irish immigrants, our German immigrants, our Jewish immigrants, every everybody that has come and made this a melting pot, they they all came. They made their communities. They, um, in some ways, assimilated to in to the United States, but in a lot of ways, kept their own their their own culture. Yeah. And we've got the same thing happen with the Hispanic Latino community. However, it seems to be a little bit more push. It's it's becoming more fodder for debate. Um, and I, I just find that interesting that it's such a big deal. Well, so in, interestingly, so two points. Uh, the the first one on that is, I think we tend to Americans tend to romanticize our past. Right? Mm -hmm. So they say we're a nation of immigrants and we welcome immigrants. Uh -huh. We've never welcomed immigrants. Okay, right? If you think about it, we didn't want the Irish. Mm -hmm. We didn't want the Italians, mm -hmm. and they were treated horribly. Mm -hmm. They were put. I mean, they, they didn't. I mean, they lived in their own neighborhoods because they were basically forced into these ghettos and slums. Mm -hmm. um, and then. I mean, people still told 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 Polak jokes yeah. up until when I was a little kid. Oh yeah, right. People yeah. didn't want the Polish either. Right. And relegated in their neighborhoods and made fun of their language mm -hmm. and they had to build their own churches and build their own schools um, until they earned the respect of the community. Mm -hmm. You know, made enough money and were able to to be you know um, I don't want to say standalone citizens, but you know mm -hmm. that they they got out of that. And so right. as much as obviously I hate what's happening to the, specifically the Mexican-American community in mm -hmm. this country, it's actually, it's a way, it's how America's always done it, mm -hmm. um, which doesn't make it right. But right. it's part of what I do like to remind folks that we as a country have always been horrible to immigrants. And why haven't we learned from, look at the great contributions that all those past immigrant cultures made to make America great. Oh, right. So why don't we yeah. now welcome immigrants like mm -hmm. we should have welcomed the Irish, like right. we should have welcomed the Polish, because look, the, I mean, the Polish built the west side of South Bend. Uh -huh. um, and so we should be glad that the Latino, specifically Mexican community is here and rebuilding right. a large part of the west side of South Bend. Right. Um, we can't of, forget the Belgians in the west exactly. end of Mishawaka. Yeah, you know, and they're, yeah, in, the, the, in this community, every American community was rich and, uh -huh. and different um, immigrant cultures. Yeah, the Belgians, there's a lot of Hungarians in mm -hmm. the area, obviously some Italians, Irish. Right. Uh, and so I think there's that balance of, you know, haven't we learned from the past? Mm -hmm. um, and how can't, why can't we make it better today? Right. And then the other part about adding that culture, what's interesting, I remember it was, I think, three or four years ago that salsa surpassed every other condiment in this country. It's uh -huh. the number one condiment, right? It beat ketchup. Yeah. Um, and now I think uh, now I think ranch is making the, the okay. quick come up as the next big condiment. I hate ranch. <laughs> you know? But it's one of those things where you see that. The same thing with ch Chinese food restaurants. Mm -hmm. now, you can't go to any small town in America and not see a Chinese food restaurant. Right. You know, like we're a country that 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 has embraced things in a weird way, mm -hmm. um, and so we're we're just hoping and trying to push that people accept the Latino, you know, the Latino community, the Mexican community for who they are, mm -hmm. for the contributions that they bring to this country, the mm -hmm. hard work that they want to bring, right? Um, 
and that they're going to help make this country be- um, even better. Mm-hmm. I was uh, I was reading some statistics, and they did crime statistics for uh, uh, the United States, and Indiana was included in it, and and. Ligonier, Indiana, is uh, one of the lowest uh, crime rate statistics in the country. It's heavily oh, really? Latino. Oh, yeah, Hispanic. probably half. Yeah. And I just oh, I, I, thought, never, I hadn't heard that. I thought, wow. It's that, 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 I do a lot of business there. And yeah. I, I, just, I just thought, uh, wow, that's really, really interesting. When it's a close-knit, the, the communities tend to be close-knit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, just like all immigrant communities over the years, close-knit, stick together, watch out for each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a friendly environment. And that's where, you know, when there's the perceptions of the West Side uh, that people have, when we bring them out to La Casa, we bring them out to the neighborhood, and mm-hmm. they're like, this is great. I'm yeah. like, absolutely, it's great. Yeah. Um, and not just, you know, the stereotype is because of the food, but there's so many other things out there, and then the people are so warm and inviting mm-hmm. uh, that people have, don't get a chance to experience that. And right. That's part of what we've been doing with La Casa, which helps break these barriers down about immigration, what people's perceptions are, mm-hmm. is come out. Come right. out and see this. Come out mm-hmm. and, and do an event. Come out for um, lunch or right. you know, maybe do a grocery shop out here. Mm-hmm. Just come out for ice cream. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a myriad of things you could do out there, um, right. and, and you can really experience the community a mm-hmm. little bit. Great. Well, let's uh, let's get into a little bit about La Casa. Let's talk about La Casa and yep. uh, you know, I read the mission statement. Let's what's what's it all about? So it's pretty cool. If you really, uh, La Casa was founded in 1973 uh, by Father John I saw that. Phelan. Uh-huh. And so if you think about it, uh, there weren't a lot of Latino community centers in the Midwest in the early 1970s. Uh-huh. Right. And so we're we're innovative. Mm-hmm. And part of what I think has made us relevant today is that we continue to be innovative to meet current community needs, but really forecast what future needs are going to be, mm-hmm. um, and also be an advocate. So we're, we're talking about advocacy services. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's part of our mission statement, not social right. services, mm-hmm. which we do provide, mm-hmm. but we're really trying to solve community problems. We're really trying to connect our community. We're trying to connect other communities to our community. Okay. Uh, and so we're about you know the integration, um, of our community into the city of South Bend and the, the local area, mm-hmm. and we're about teaching the local area about our culture and what what we what, what our community does. Okay. Uh, so we really try to be both sides. We're not just a service provider, uh, but we're an advocate. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're a safe space. We're a fun space, uh, and we really just invite people to come out and check out our center mm-hmm. um, and learn about all the things that we do because it's just too many to list. Mm-hmm. How many people do you serve on a regular basis? So we serve about a thousand families a year. Wow! Uh, so we, I mean, we run an immigration legal aid clinic. Mm-hmm. We have youth programs starting from a preschool program all the way to after school programs, all the way to high school uh-huh. students. Uh, and then we do adult, you know, English classes, computer classes. We have family programming, uh, you know, and then things basic like translation services or more advanced things like referrals to other local agencies for mm-hmm. more uh, for things that we aren't we aren't able to handle. Right. Right. So you've been doing this about three years. You, you've got to have a couple favorite stories. Oh, man. You know, it was interestingly just this morning, uh, you know, we had one of our kind of pride and joy students. Uh-huh. Um, mom was in this morning. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we had a student about uh, two summers ago. It was my first summer, actually. And, uh, you know, I'd done one of our summer camps. And the mom came to us and, you know, one, wasn't sure she could afford the program. Mm-hmm. Um, and we obviously offer discounts and, and right. whatnot. But we do like our clients to pay something. And she had just come to me just saying, look, I'm at my wit's end with my 13-year-old, and I don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, just cried in my office about it. And 
um, and said, well, well, we'll take care. Don't worry about the fee. Just pay whatever you can pay, and, and we, we, but we want her here. Mm -hmm. um, and then so now this is her third summer. She's actually here doing an internship uh -huh. um, <laughs> with uh, JAG, Jobs for America's Graduates, uh -huh. and helping with our youth programming this summer. Yeah. And the mom was just in there just saying how night and day she has been mm -hmm. in the year. And now she comes to us all year long. So she comes yeah. during the school year and the summers mm -hmm. um, and is really just one of those example students that, you know, was at, at the point in that, that early, t that those adolescent years. Mm -hmm. right? Your parent, you know, those yeah. adolescent years can be a major turning point, yeah. are a major turning point. Oh, yeah. Uh, and it's a great example of a student we were able to, she was in the office ranting and raving and she, her daughter's right there like, mom, stop, <laughs> you know, um, about how much she loves the program. Uh -huh. and, and that's stuff like that that I just love. Oh, yeah. And I'm looking forward to when she graduates high school mm -hmm. um, to hear what she's going to do. Um, and my tying that to, you know, part of what I, why I love doing what I do. But um, uh, a couple of years ago, it's always interesting when you're on an airplane. Right? Mm -hmm. People ask you, what do you do? Yeah. You know? And I, it's weird because I, I feel like sometimes I recycle tears. Because mm -hmm. like, people come to me crying with some uh, uh, something horrible, like this is bad, or my daughter this, or whatever right. that. And then I know in a couple of years, that sh the mom's gonna be crying how proud she is that her right. daughter is graduating high school. Hopefully we, I mean, I think we got her on a college track, doing uh -huh. something professionally, right. you know, and that we turn sad tears into happy tears mm -hmm. um, is I think really important. And it's those kind of stories that I just love. Oh I yeah. Love. Is there anything better? I mean, yeah, yeah. That's the, you. You, you got to love going to work every day. I do. Um, you know, we have a great team. Um, we've assembled a really good team over the last few years, mm -hmm. and um, we've got a couple longtime staff people that are just so committed to what we do. Mm -hmm. uh, and we've been growing. Mm -hmm. uh, the the community's the community's growing, um, and we've been growing our services to to meet those mm -hmm. increased demands. So you, um, be, before you got involved with La Casa, you were uh, involved in nonprofits for a long time. You had your own company that worked with nonprofits. What got you into this this whole helping people thing? Because there there had to there had to be a nucleus. Yeah. So, well, I worked for colleges for a long time. Okay. Um, and so through my college work, I've always been connected to service learning, mm -hmm. civic engagement you know, pushing college students to do that. Mm -hmm. So because of that, I'd always had side work that I would do, uh -huh. um, you know, serving on nonprofit boards, mm -hmm. you know, uh, doing some consulting. And so finally, when um, it was uh, somebody from La Casa asked if I'd be interested in, in applying for the job and mm -hmm. doing nonprofit work full time. Uh -huh. um, and so I, uh, I jumped at the opportunity. Uh, you know, I tell the story that, you know, I was seven when I moved to the country mm -hmm. and uh, integrating as a seven-year-old in the United States is pretty easy. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, my Did you dad, speak the language when you I, came? I didn't, but a okay. you know, seven-year-old learned it yeah. pretty quick. But my dad was 39 years old. Mm -hmm. um, it's hard to learn English when you're 39 years oh, old. Yeah. Um, and it was hard for me, you know, as a kid, and I reflect on it, you know, seeing my dad roof houses mm -hmm. when he got here, when he was a professional businessman in Bolivia. Uh -huh. um, but, you know, going to classes at night at a place like La Casa to uh -huh. learn English, to get skills to help him get a professional job mm -hmm. here in the States, and then to see the, him then become an, account, become an accountant mm -hmm. uh, here in the States and become a professional right. um, is, is important for, for a kid to see that. And so then I see that now in my job at La Casa, mm -hmm. you know, so I see people that come to me that you know, um, were professionals or, or had, you know, 
made major sacrifices when they came here to right. the, the United States, and most of them came here for their kids. Mm -hmm. They came here because they knew their kids were going to have a better opportunity. Right. Not sometimes because yeah. they were. Yeah. And that's what I think a lot of people don't understand about immigrants is that they think that they're out to get something for themselves. Mm -hmm. But almost all of them are, are do, as individuals, sometimes working worse jobs than they would yeah. have worked somewhere else. Oh, yeah. But because they know their kids are going to get better school, mm -hmm. um, they'll have their kids will have the opportunity to go to college. Mm -hmm. um, their kids will have the op opportunity to own a business, mm -hmm. um, and that's why they're here. Right. And so I get to see that every day, the, the face of my family, mm -hmm. um, in a small way, in the faces of my clients. And I know what difference we're making because I know what difference it made in my life. Mm -hmm. Getting into, uh, I've done a lot of, you know, this is a Michiana People podcast, but mm -hmm. I've talked to a lot of people in South Bend. We're, we're at South Bend Brew Works. I've talked to Drew. I've talked yeah. to uh, the ladies over at the State Theater and just a lot of a lot of South Bend folks. You guys lift each other up like I've never seen before. And obviously South Bend Brew Works does the beer for good and you're one of the recipients of these little caps that we get, uh, yep. the 10% the, the of, uh, of the uh, earnings and, and things like that. How was how that created? I, I, I've talked to so many people and I, I just kind of watch you guys and I cyber stalk everybody on Facebook and, and, and see that you're all in the same place. How do you guys, how did you guys get together and, and how is it that you just lift each other up? You know, I think, um, like for example, the story with South Bend Brew Works, you know, is a, is a story of a great connection with the University of Notre Dame. Mm -hmm. Um, about alums that really want to get involved and help the community mm -hmm. and want to stay in the area. Mm -hmm. Drew's not, not from South Bend. And, right. Uh, you know, so making those connections with different people um, is what really helps. And so I think Notre Dame has really started to try to push their undergraduates mm -hmm. and their graduate students to think about how they're helping to benefit the community. Mm -hmm. uh, on, the, on the flip side, in terms of organizations working together, uh, you know, you've really seen a resurgence of people who love South Bend uh -huh. really coming together. Right. From all walks of life, all different backgrounds. You know, we had a Mexican folkloric band yep. playing right here on this patio oh, yeah. a couple great. weeks ago, you yeah. know. And and so, yeah, you were, you were yeah. here. You know, and so, like, getting to do those kind of things are, are different and unique mm -hmm. um, that we've really helped get a core group of folks in the community. And I would probably say there's about 50 people. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, it that seems are, are that go-to yeah. circle of folks mm -hmm. who will. I don't know that person, but I know you, and I know that, and I know here, and he's got this, and that she can get you that, and right. you know. And so we all have just been working to improve downtown, mm -hmm. um, improve the city in general, right. try to develop better parks, mm -hmm. um, try to develop the the kind of lifestyle that we all want in this community, and yeah. that we know will attract other people. And I think it's you know the developments are coming. Oh yeah, um, and. You know, I think we also have a really good community of folks that are good at saying yes. Uh -huh. You know, that are good at saying yes, I'll help. Right. Um, and uh, and that's been great to, to see. Right. I talked to Jeff Harrison that reopened Vegetable Buddies, and and he was yeah. like, he he said he just couldn't believe how many people were just offering to help him out in any way possible, and yeah. that that was just that's just neat. People will and, volunteer to come in and paint, to yeah. put things together, yeah. to you know, move furniture to do stuff. You know, it's a really cool vibe that we've got in South Bend. Yeah. And I'm, I think it's expanding and I think we got to continue to capitalize on that. Right. Can. Right. Makes me feel kind of weird because I'm from Mishawaka and I'm rooting for South Bend. I know but... you're an outsider. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> 
but uh, I, I got I told you my dad grew up on Dubell in South Bend, so yeah. we, we I've got roots. Yeah, you know I've, I've got a Riley graduate in my family. So. I buy coffee at that Seven <laughs> Eleven right right down mm -hmm. the street from there. So. Mm -hmm. Talking about the community in general and the the West Side, you know, we, in the news all we hear about is a shooting, a stabbing. A shooting, a stabbing. What? How do the people f f who who are living over there? How? What? What's the temperature? How do they feel on a day-to-day -day basis? Do, do do the families that you deal with do they feel safe um, within within their part of the community, their part of the West Side, or how how is that going for them? So a couple things on it. I think uh, things are disproportionately reported in our neighborhood. Seems and, like it. And the, also, if you look at a map of South Bend, mm -hmm. the west side, I mean, I probably need to get a percentage, right? Mm -hmm. But the west side has got to be two-thirds of the city, uh -huh. if not more. Right. I mean, it's really, if you look at downtown, downtown is on the east side of the city. Mm -hmm. um, right. There's not a whole lot of city to the right. east of downtown. Right. And so west side is this humongous sector mm -hmm. of the city. And so when people say, like, oh, well, most crime happens out there, I'm like, well, most of the city is on mm -hmm. that side of the city. So it makes sense. Um, the other side that I think is interesting is, you know, uh, and, I, and I've told a couple stories and, and not sure if we have enough time for all of that, but, you know, the way that people feel safe or don't feel safe in areas doesn't always depend on how much crime is actually happening in that area. Uh-huh. You know, and so the, the quick example that I, I, I tell is, you know, it was a couple years ago, Eddy Street Commons area. Mm -hmm. There was There was a kidnapping at one of the ATMs there. Yeah. You know, and... Notre Dame students know you don't take a purse into one of the bars right there and mm -hmm. you watch your back and you walk with friends because there's muggings and all these right. types of things are happening there, right? Mm -hmm. Nobody doesn't feel safe on Eddy Street Commons uh -huh. when you ask them. But then when right. you ask them, mention all the stats, they're like, oh, yeah, all that bad stuff happens. Or, yeah, I know not to take a purse down there at late at night. Uh -huh. But it, then you say, like, well, why don't you come out to the Western Avenue for ice cream? They're like, oh, I heard that's a bad neighborhood. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't know anybody who's ever gotten their purse stolen <laughs> from the ice cream shop on Western <laughs> Avenue. And so you see that flip of how people perceive that. Mm -hmm. um, and it's really interesting. And I think some of it, you know, obviously it's some of it's, you know, uh, mirrored in, in some of just the racist overtones in the country. Mm -hmm. and, and I think to a certain extent, some people can't even help that. They were raised that way to just think that. Oh, yeah. Um, but that's why we want to get them out, mm -hmm. you know. And, and we do that a lot of times with college students. We walk around the neighborhood. We talk about, mm -hmm. you know, what, what are the things that make you feel safe or don't feel safe. The, the other big example is, you know, we talk a lot about street lighting out on the west side, uh -huh. you know. And it's dark. Mm -hmm. Because there's only a couple street lights per block on one side of the street, and one in every three of them is broken. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and it's dark. Yeah. I don't feel safe when it's dark. And, right. You know, uh, and so versus when you walk on a new development like Jefferson or Eddy Street Commons, you know, mm -hmm. there's these ridiculously bright street lights out there mm -hmm. on both sides of the street, and they're new and they all work. Right. Uh, and I think that's where you see Mayor Pete and city administration putting their money where their mouth is mm -hmm. and putting all the new street lights out there right. and doing the improvements to say, you know, we know this is safe and these will help you feel safer. Right. Uh, and, and we're seeing that make a serious impact already. Mm -hmm. It's funny. I um, spent uh, time as a restaurant manager and a grocery store manager okay. uh, on the west side in the 80s and 90s. Okay. And I just never had a problem. Yeah. yeah, it was, and made a lot of friends, you know, a lot of, a lot, a lot of cool people, and it was, uh, it, 
it was exactly the same makeup of community then as it is now, uh, pretty much. So it's just, I, I, I kind of wanted to find out how much of this is perception and how much of it was real. So. I, it's predominantly perception. Mm. And part of the other, you know, short anecdote that I use is that, you know, all the crimes and you know car break-ins or things that happen, for example, near Notre Dame, mm -hmm. are all crimes of opportunity. Yeah. Right. And so, when someone gets shot mm -hmm. or something else happens to them on the west side, mm -hmm. I hate to say it, but a lot of them had it coming. Yeah. You know, so it uh -huh. isn't. I'm I'm out there 60 hours a week. Right. right. I work full time and yeah. I'm out there on the evenings and mm -hmm. I take my family out there for dinner. Nothing's happened to me. Right. Because um, I haven't done anything that makes anybody want to. You know. Right. And so. Oftentimes, in a neighborhood where there is crime, it's people that are doing criminal activity doing stuff to each other. To each other, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, and so every once in a while, obviously, there's some bad things that happen mm -hmm. for, for obviously no apparent reason, right. which is horrible. Um, and not that anybody ever deserves to be, you know, a victim of a violent crime. Right. Um, but very few of those are a Notre Dame student at an ATM on the west side getting <laughs> right. kidnapped. Right. Um, yeah. You know, and so. <laughs> And, and that's part of when we try to talk to people. It's like, hey, you come out here. If you're just coming out here for lunch and dinner and you're here to have a great time, you're never going to have a problem. Uh, that's great. Um, well, I wanted to um, give you an opportunity to talk about any events or anything that's happening at La Casa that the community can come out and be a part of. So anything going on? Yeah, so July 20th, okay. we are doing what we call West Side Wednesday. Okay. It's going to be at the Rosales Plaza, which is the 2800 block of Western Avenue. Okay. Uh, we started in November when the construction finished on the first part of the improvements. Mm -hmm. We started a monthly uh, little lunch meeting called West Side Wednesday. Mm -hmm. And uh, so from there, we just grew every month into doing that. Mm -hmm. And what, what's interesting is people are always like, why don't you do a dinner one? Why don't you do a dinner one? Uh -huh. So we decided to do a dinner one for July. Cool. And it turned into a, if you give a mouse a cookie situation, uh -huh. uh, whereas, well, if we're going to do dinner, we should probably get a beer tent. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, if we're getting a tent, we should probably have a band. Uh. And then if we're getting a band, we should have some kids' activities. Right. Okay. Well, then, and if we're on the west side, I should have a taco truck. So we're doing uh. a taco truck. Um, and uh, it's going to be a pretty fun, I, I, it'll be a fun festival. Uh. we got to pray for some good weather. Right. But July 20th, it's a Wednesday. Um, we're going to go from 5 to 10. We'll just uh. be out there. Um, it'll be free to just come out. We're going to have an art gallery set up in one of the vacant stores oh, cool. there. Uh -huh. uh, we're going to have a farmer's market set up in one of the vacant lots. Mm -hmm. uh, Brewworks is going to be doing the beer. Cool. Um, pending excise permission. But, I think I'll uh, be there. That's me. Well, thank you, Sam, yeah. for being on the podcast. This was a very enlightening episode. And this one, this one will be, be going up a week from Monday. So, uh, Perfect. folks, on the 11th. Uh, it will, and I, I'll definitely uh, plug your stuff. Great. So, thanks for listening, folks. And thanks for having me. We will talk to you later. Progressive presents Forest Metaphors about bundling your home and auto. In sports, three goals is a hat trick. And when you bundle your home and auto with Progressive, you get a hat trick of great savings and round the clock protection. So, you might be thinking, wait, that's two things. A hat trick is three. But in this metaphor, great savings counts as two goals, and so does round-the-clock protection. So it's like four goals, and that's more than three. It's basic math. Forced Metaphors, presented by Progressive. Bundle and protect today. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discount not available in all states or situations.